Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. 10-5 victory! This is Love of the Star. Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I am Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 Fan in Dallas, the radio flagship home of your Cowboys. Joined, as always, by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broaddus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation 2 to 7 p.m. Monday through Friday on 105.3 Fan, as well as the pre- and post-game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys radio network. And Brian, that was a a difficult loss. Um as you can see, I was I was so broken up about it. I shaved off everything. Um, I just didn't know how to handle the agony of the loss. But really, honestly, uh, this one to me, Brian, especially through about three quarters, this one felt like you were closer to the NFC title game than you've been in any of your other opportunities. And so it was it was pretty heartbreaking to to see that game end the way that it did. I think it was. The disappointing aspect of to me was you came into that game and we talked about the lead up and the build up to that game and what you're going to have to do to to potentially stop San Francisco's offense. And I, I know when I picked my score, I picked them scoring 28 points. I had Dallas scoring 31 points. I thought that maybe both defenses were going to struggle with trying to manage to slow down or stop but as great as the 49ers played stopping your offense but you're really down to one big time player when you talk about cd lamb the 49ers were you know their offense was it was all those guys it was debo samuel it was mccaffrey you know yeah. it was it was Ayuk. we i mean it was kittle i mean here they are you, you kind of felt like that you know, what is what else does this Dallas defense have to do? You know, they just could not get anything going. And, you know, the red zone trips, when you go back and watch the opportunities, the missed blocks, missed of the hole, drop passes, whatever. I mean, it, it just – it was disheartening from the fact that you really did waste a great defensive effort against an outstanding offensive team. And if, uh, you know, you hold them to 19 points, if you and I were doing our podcast before and you, and you said, Brian, they're going to hold them to 19 points in this game and you're still going to lose, I would, I would say there's no way. 
There's no way that happens. And yeah. so that's the thing that I'm – if this is the last thing that we ever remember Dan Quinn for, you know, tip of the cap, sir. That was a, that was a hell of a plan, a hell of an effort. Your guys got a little wore down, but you know what? You did everything in your power as a staff and as a group of players on that defensive side of the ball to get this team into the NFC Championship game. So if this is the last time that we ever get to see Dan Quinn do this, uh, yeah, hey, congrats for, for the last two years and the way you've, you've made this defense respectable. Let's talk about, uh, I, obviously, the Dak Prescott game was not good. Um, but, I mean, like, I think it comes down mainly to the two turnovers, as a lot of his play did this season. A lot of whatever he did on the field, even in games where he played well, it's like, yeah, but how did the turnovers impact the game? Regardless of what happened the rest of the snaps, did the turnovers lose you the game? And this is a a game that you could argue those turnovers lost you it um, because they gave six points to the 49ers, and at least in one instance, they took points off the board for you. Yeah. And that there is a that's a seven point difference right there. Um, let's talk about the the first interception. I, I know there's been a lot of discussion about just in general. I, I, the unanimous opinion seems to be Dak was late uh, on on the throw. He was. Um, I'm of the opinion that Michael Gallup didn't do enough to fight back to the ball. Uh, I think he should have done more to help out his quarterback. He looked like he kind of gave up on the route. Um, I, I saw an interesting take from uh, Justin March, uh, who used to play for the Cowboys, uh, where he had looked at it and he tweeted that he thought the 49ers actually blew coverage on the play. That he said that it's a fire zone blitz three under three deep. The edge rusher up top was supposed to take the back in the flat. Seems like the quarter saw the back open, started to run at him, and was just in the spot to pick the ball off. So I'm curious for, for your perspective on the play and also I'm, I'm curious for your thought on that do you think that look do you think it's possible that was a busted coverage that they just walked into very well could have because to me if you watch the play Zeke is in the flat and there's nobody there and so you're wondering okay if if you just check that ball down you know maybe there's going to be a collision at the sticks to see if you're going to get the first down or not um that pass the through was very reminiscent of the play he threw against the commanders that went back to back. That was one of them was a pick six is very reminiscent. It, you know, instead of throwing it to his right, he threw it to his left. And so, yeah, um, that, I think there were several times in this game where the 49ers busted on a coverage and you didn't take advantage of the bust. Now to the, your point, um, yeah, if you you could spin the ball to Zeke in the flat, nobody's there. He could just try and hammer and get the first down. You live to fight or make it close at the sticks. But yeah, it 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 just was, it was very apparent that and the problem that they've had with some of these interceptions that it's gone to Michael Gallup's way. And there's been times where you feel like is Michael feel like the ball's coming. You know, it was almost like Michael's like you're really going to throw me the ball here now. You know, with this coverage, you know, and Dak said, yeah, I'm going to throw it to you. And, you know, and so, you know, it's uh, it's unfortunate. Um, you know, the Cowboys, uh, it was a sudden change. It was they held them to three points. It was a great job by the defense hanging in there. But there's there's several throws in this game 
that Dak Prescott missed the uh, the one he tried to fit down the middle of the field. Uh, you know, with a Mike Backer, you know, with that with that coverage, uh, with Fred Warner playing coverage, you know, when Warner turned his hips to go with, you know, go with uh, Lamb. Well, you know, maybe you're, you know, you got, you know, T.Y. Hilton on the other side with nobody there. Mm-hmm. That's a throw and a walk-in touchdown. And you know what? It's probably an easier throw than the one that he, the one he made. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the ball, the ball was thrown earlier on both, you know, on, on the interception. And then also that particular play, you probably got some big plays in the, in the book there for, uh, for your team. There seems to be obviously a lot less of a question of the other two or, or the second turnover, which occurred in the red zone. You were about to score points. You gave the ball up. They go down the field. They score. Uh, I, I still don't know what Dak was looking at there. I know uh, J.T. O'Sullivan, the former NFL quarterback, I know he did a, a film breakdown of the, the entire game, and he said he thought it looked like an option route where – CD either had the option to break to the middle or break to the outside. And he said he thought it looked like Dak was thinking there was going to be a break to the middle. And then when it went to the outside, he kind of hesitated and and just made a bad throw. Uh, Cause I, I don't know what other explanation you have for it. That's just an well, awful. Yeah. The, the, the initial route, the initial route, what you had was you had a slant or a post from, uh, from Hilton so mm-hmm. it's up and inside, and then you have Schultz runs what we call a bench or an out, where he just goes out. So now you got an out, a post, and then like a, a like a curl or a, a spot right there. And if Dak throws the ball immediately to the spot, it's a first down. It's going to be a first down play, but he doesn't. He holds the ball, holds the ball now. I think what happened was there was Ward didn't move. The the slant or the post didn't affect him. They're playing four across underneath is what they were doing. They're basically not letting you throw the ball and have any run after catch is what they were doing. So when you had this the post or the slant behind the out and then the hook and the, the curl, then you know it just no it affected nobody. I mean nobody moved at all. And so I think what happened was that instead of just sitting down, Lamb detects that Dak's in a little trouble, so he takes off moving. He's going to run. Well, what he didn't know was that Ward didn't move. Ward stayed – Jimmy Ward stayed right where he was. So what happened is that CD ran right into Ward, and that – by that – and Dak's thinking – I'm going to try and fit it, and it didn't work. The ball bounces off. Ward goes in the air. Ward gets the interception. So after the game, Lamb took the blame for the interception. But in actuality, I felt like the Dak, as soon as the routes developed, he should just immediately hit hit uh, Lamb right there on the spot. Lamb catches it, and it's going to be a collision again at the sticks. Maybe he gets the first down, uh, or it's going to be another close play. But it, yeah, it, and was, they, they, it was a weird it, it was a weird route combination, and I think it was weird that 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 Dak nor Lamb saw Ward sitting there, and he continued his route in zone coverage. You stop running when it's zone. You 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 know man coverage. You keep running zone. You got to settle, and 
that was the problem right there. They uh, and and they'll. I would say this that for anybody who who wants to defend Dak on that and say like, well, look, Lamb took blame for it. These guys are always going to take the blame for it. They're always going to sure. say my bad, even if they know it wasn't. They will say it's my bad, and and that's not one that's on CD Lamb at all. Uh, and, and and those two turnovers proved huge in this game. Um, something else that was big for me in this game, Brian, and and I want to get your thoughts on on these three. Uh, is that we talked in the pregame show about aggressiveness. And I remember I told you, I said, I think anything that's a do you or don't you fourth down call, he's going to go for it. I, yeah, I was, I was dead wrong because I thought Mike McCarthy had definitely two, maybe three opportunities to go for it. And he chose not to on all three. And so I, I want to get your thoughts on on these three in general. The first one occurred in the third quarter, six minutes left. It's a 9-9 game. It's fourth and five from the San Francisco 40. And they just take the delay again to punt it. I thought that was an awful call. I think you go for it on fourth and five. Don't lay up now. Your defense has been playing well. Instead, they punt it down. San Francisco marches 90 yards, scores, and and really seems to take the wind out of the sails of the Cowboys. But uh, are, are you thumbs up or thumbs down on that decision to punt there? I was definitely, I was definitely thumbs down to punt because to me, and that just shows you what the the real crux of the problem was in any other time before the commanders game or what we saw at Tampa, that's that's Brett Maher trotting onto the field and trying to field goal is what that is right there. You know, that's that's a go at three points. If if it, it's it's go for it or he's gone for he's gone for fourth down it made fourth down decisions in far worse places and positions than mm-hmm. that one that he was in. And so to me, because of what happened in Tampa, what happened with the blocked extra point, he was put in a situation where he's like, okay, maybe my defense will get a stop down here and we'll get the ball and Turpin can have a run at midfield and maybe return one of these balls. But I, I thought that was a very – that was very Jason Garrett like of of Mike McCarthy, who has gone for some fourth downs that are far, far more difficult than the one that he faced in at that particular time. The next one uh, is one where they got points on it, and I still disagreed with it. And that's eleven minutes and twelve seconds left. You're at the San Francisco twenty-five. You're facing fourth and eight. I know that's not an easy scenario, but you kick the field goal while you're down sixteen-nine. And I don't like that call because we're 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter. You make that field goal, you need a touchdown. You miss that field goal, you need a touchdown. You miss fourth down, you need a touchdown. Nothing changes in the need a touchdown. So to me, knowing you will need one regardless, why are you sacrificing an opportunity to get one now? You're just giving away one of your remaining opportunities to say, let me try and get one on this drive. Because if you miss it, you're still in the same spot. You've got to score a touchdown or the game's over. Right. So to me, I don't like that call on fourth and eight. Were, were you okay with kicking the field goal and saying, well, look, if they get a touchdown now, now they're ahead? I kind of felt like that I was glad the guy made the field goal, but yep. I totally I totally understand what – I maybe to him it was more important to get the field goal and have any kind of confidence going forward. You know, Maybe that was his plan. Maybe he's feeling like, you know what? 
I'm going to kick the field goal here. I'm going to have to get a touchdown, but at least I know I've gotten my kicker some confidence. I think that's probably why he did what he did. Yeah, and I, and I, I totally get it. My my thing was, like I said, it was just you put yourself in a position to where you haven't. I I, I don't I don't disagree. Results. Oh yeah, I yeah. I, I don't disagree with you, but but I I think I know what he was trying to do, and that was to if he had to come back to his kicker, at least he had some confidence that he can make a field goal. That that's where I think all that was at. The uh, the the last one, and this is the one that I think is just it's it's a. You can question it a little if you want. I think ultimately they probably did the right thing, but you've seen how exhausted your defense is. There's yeah. two minutes left. You're facing fourth and ten. You're you're setting yourself up. Honestly, I was sitting there talking to people in the hallway watching it, where I was like, even if you get a stop here, you have set yourself up for the same scenarios last year, which is no timeouts left, 80 yards to go in four. Yeah. yeah. And so to me. I thought it should have been at least more of a question of, do we go for it? I know it's fourth and 10. I know we're backed up. I know if we miss it, we're out. But I maybe feel better about getting fourth and 10 than feeling like you're going to get a three and out from a very tired defense. That defense was exhausted by that point. I'm not surprised he did that, Bobby, because the first three plays that he ran were just awful. Yeah. They're awful plays. And if you had anything, any kind of momentum, there was nothing, there was nothing that gave you any momentum. I mean, you already had a returner that had fumbled the ball earlier in the game. Maybe you're banking on that again. Maybe you get a special teams turnover. But the how bad those three plays that they ran to get to the point where it's fourth down and how poorly they were executed, it didn't surprise me that he, he did that. Did you have uh, any issues with the the final Hail Mary play call? Or is that just so unlike – here's my take on it. I know everybody laughed at him at the end of the game, and it was it was a dumb play call. It didn't go anywhere. But to me, it's also like you're 75 yards from the end zone or whatever you were. You want to break out something weird? Okay, do it. Because, I mean, I think you're just as likely to score with that as anything else. Yeah, I you know, this team was probably going to be able to tackle you in bounce – so anything, I think the thing that bothered me so bad about that final drive was how nonchalant Dalton Schultz was. You know how, and Dalton Schultz is a good player. I'm sure he's gonna. He's already blocked me on Twitter, so it doesn't matter. Uh, he, you know, he can go on and do whatever he wants. But there was that. You know, the the fact that they they had completions, they wasted time. It wasn't a difficult thing to get your feet down. And it wasn't difficult to try and go forward instead of get knocked sideways and get back. You know, you, you got it. You mean they, they run the clock there. You're losing time on a sideline play because you're not physical enough to get out of bounds going forward. You get knocked going sideways, you know, and that's, you got to know that you got to know the rules. Just like, just like, you know, th- what happened with, uh, you know, San Francisco not getting, you know, staying in or getting out of bounds. Yeah, yeah when Elijah Mitchell stepped out. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That, I mean, that's that's just that's just not that's not attention to detail right there. But Dalton Schultz, the end of that game was bad for him. I mean, if you get those completion, I'll tell you another thing that was bad on Dalton Schultz's behalf. After the long pass that went down the field that that Ceedee Lamb made an incredible play on. The very next play, Dak Prescott puts the ball right in Dalton Schultz's hands for what was going to be a 12-yard gain, and he drops the ball. 
And now you don't, you know, you, you, now you lose that field position. Now you lose, I, I get it. You're going to miss passes, but man, I mean, you are fighting literally for inches in during this game. I mean, it, any big play, any big gain was going to be a huge play in that game. You had, you didn't have any plays that were over 10 yards and you're not getting your feet down and bounce. You're, you're dropping the ball, going out of bounds. You know, I mean, it's it's sad that, you know, that, that you – I mean, the, the margin for error for that team is so small. And it, that's that, and it just – it's incredible how that all works out. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. All right, before we move on to the next topic here, I need to remind you guys about our wonderful partner here at the Love the Star podcast. It is Boomer Jacks. And I keep telling you guys about Boomer Jacks, specifically what Boomer Jacks has ready for you on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. It's great wing deals. On Tuesdays, it's half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings. But they have great deals for you the rest of the time, too. They got drink specials starting at $3. They have $15 buckets of beer. There are wall-to-wall TVs. Every sporting event you could ever imagine is on the televisions there when you go to Boomer Jacks. They have TVs in the bathroom. There's literally not a time where you will miss a moment of the action. Live music, like I said, wall-to-wall TVs, great drink specials, great food. It's just a fantastic atmosphere for whatever you're looking for, and it's why we're so excited to have them as our partner here at Love the Star. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. Brian, uh, closing thoughts on that? Yeah, real quick, Bobby, though, the, the kickoff return will make you sick of how it was uh, blocked. You know, that Dallas gave up a big kickoff return, but you had several opportunities, and you did a great job on your kickoff return. It's a shame that Turpin ran that ball inside. If he just stays outside, it's a tie football game. It's what do you tight. think he saw there? I, I don't know, Bobby. I don't know. I really don't. We're, we were all watching it live, and we thought that was a touchdown as he was running it through the scene. Well, if he stays wide, because what happened is, you know, uh, C.J. Goodwin has got a block, and he's trying to do his best to hang on. He's got the defender kind of spun around. Robbie Gould is like, he's just like, he's just, he, he's hoping that nobody hits him on the way. But what happens? Turpin runs right into him. It's like, if he just stays wide, that that it's a that's a, that's a, a tie game. That's a tie game right there. So that's man, they're they're just attention to detail, bad play, not finishing, you know, poor execution. It's it's that's why you're it's why you're not playing this weekend. 
It's funny. It reminded me of, uh, you know, I, it reminded me, it was funny of a guy who was a, a good returner, but it always felt like he was always getting tackled by the 11th guy. Turpin this year, he reminded me of a guy that, uh, that uh, you worked with here in Dallas, Tyson Thompson. Yeah. I always felt like Tyson was getting, I always felt like Tyson was getting caught by the 11th guy. And I felt yeah. like that was, he, he was always a good returner. He put him in good spots, but it was always yeah. like uh, just this close. I mean, how many times do we see Turpin pop up this year and do this? Yeah. Like, oh, so close. It's like close, but man, it's, you got to take advantage of that. You got to bounce it outside. And I, I, I don't obviously, and I'm, I know you don't, I don't think that cost them the game, but it's just like, man, that's. But yeah. It, it cost them. I mean, you execute. You had a shot. A you had a shot. You had yeah. a shot. It's just like, it's just like Diggs catching the interception. You had a shot, you know, you know, like last week, what'd you do? You intercepted the ball on the goal line, basically with Tom Brady and got points. You had an opportunity right there in the red zone. Intercept the ball again to keep them from getting points, and you and you don't. It's just that the margin for this team is so small in some of these some of these games. It's a, it's, it's, it's sad. It's sad. It really is. You you mentioning the dropped interception there from Diggs. I got to say that's when I felt like the game was over. When Diggs drops the interception well, and you got those two penalties right after it, I was like, that's. That was your shot to turn the tide to to make a big game changing play, and now you're 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 kind of. That's when I just felt like I don't know that this is their night. Is yeah. when when those those three things happened in the span of it may have been three straight plays, it may have been four. They uh, they remember, but they they, they get a they get a, a win they get a win by Parsons on McGlinchey, and he hits he hits. Uh, Purdy's arm and the ball is fluttering in the air. Fluttering. And Wilson runs by it, <laughs> and he just runs right by it. And you're like, you know, you're just like, why, you know? But hell, they the the hey the 49ers, they didn't drop theirs, but I mean, well, the one they did that could have ended the game, you know? Yeah. With uh, but anyway, I, it's it's funny. I, t- I told John Machota from the Athletic when we watched that play and the ball fluttered towards Wilson and he missed it. I told John, I was like, this feels like one of those nights where they're not going to like, they're not going to grab any of those. And San Francisco is going to grab all of them. Every one of them. Yep. It, it had that feel. And when you think back on it, you had the digs interception, you had the flutter that Wilson didn't get. I don't think people remember. I know some people I was talking with, uh, I was talking with Sean Narja in the morning show. They didn't remember it like this. The bland very easily could have picked off that ball. At Bland, the goal. Could, Bland could have picked up the ball at the goal line. He high that, that one. That yeah. was very close. That honestly, like, I think you maybe should say it was a tough lay, but like, I kind of expect him to catch that. He high points the ball. He's going yeah. up. He's got his hands on the ball. You're absolutely right. I mean, those are those are plays that you have to have in a champ in a in an environment like that. You can't give them more chances. That Brock yeah. Purdy, Brock Purdy, for two weeks now has tried to throw his just tried to throw interceptions and nobody's making it pay for it. Now maybe Philadelphia will make it pay for it this weekend, but he's tried for two weeks to throw interceptions and nobody's taking him up on it. Brian, when we look at this season and this is something we discussed on the radio uh, on, on Sean and RJ this week, and I'm curious for your thoughts on it, especially somebody who's been in the league. We were asking this question of, is this season a success? And I think if you say, how do you define success? If you define success as exceeding expectations, this is 100% a successful season. 
Yeah. If you define success as making the playoffs, it's a successful season. When I look at it, I, I, I differentiate expectations versus success. Like, like I think expectations are a different question that don't play into what is the definition of success. And for me, the Cowboys, I think when you look at it, they lost the division and on opportunities where they had to win games and, and, you know, like in Jacksonville where Philly lost that, you know, you had a chance to make some ground and Jalen hurts got hurt. Uh, You lost that game. And you look at the fact that I think we've all universally kind of settled on this standard of they need to make the NFC championship game again. It's ridiculous that they haven't that, that they haven't been back there one time. It's, It's ridiculous. So to me, whether you expected them to make the NFC championship game or not, I think if you don't get there, it's a failure. You didn't win the division. You didn't get to the NFC championship game. You exceeded expectations. But because of those aspects, I think you still have to classify the season as ultimately it's a failure. Let me ask you, what were your expectations when you walked out of the stadium after week one? Oh, I, uh, I, I'll tell you what I did. Literally that night I went home and I pulled up film of Peter Skaronsky. At Northwestern, that's what I did. Yeah. I, I was I was in draft mode. Yeah, and so yeah. that's that, and that's why I say if you define it as expectations, and that's I guess it's just a preference. How you know how do you define that? If if it's success is based off of what did I expect? Did they surpass it? Then it's a success. Then you could absolutely say that. I just look at it as regardless of what your expectations were. There's a certain line that says this is successful, and, and whether I expect you to hit it or not, if you don't hit it. You know, there are things you can build on. You can take positives out of the season, but you can't call it successful. And so that's just – that's yeah. how – but but you would – I'm guessing you would, and I think most people would, would classify it more based off of expectations. And so for you, I'm guessing you felt like this is a season you can absolutely term success. Well, I, I look at it – I look at it as a huge success after what I saw week one mm-hmm. when I saw Dak Prescott – and Jerry Jones trying to explain to you what part of the bone he broke in his thumb. And I'll you, never forget that. And 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 then Ed Werder coming up and asking, Jerry, I'm sorry I missed. Can you tell me what? And then Jerry, yeah, Ed, it's the uh, – the it's, it's, it's this one. It's yeah, the, and he, held, yeah, he held up yeah, his hand, and he's, he's, yeah. he's showing us exactly where it is. Dak Prescott, we, we have no idea how long he's out for. We have no idea what has happened with – Curse, who who is probably one of your better defensive players, he's out. We have no idea. Coming out of that game, I was like you. I was thinking, do I have to start getting ready for the draft show? Do I have to start thinking about watching players? Do I have to? So, you know, I mean, a little of that. I even had a little hopium myself going into that game. But think about, think about Tyler Smith having to play left tackle. You know, mm-hmm. and you're like that how unknown that was. And think yep. about think about Connor McGovern going down very early in that game and Matt Farniak playing left guard. And I'm like, my gosh, what's is this what the year's gonna be? And they win for you know, they beat a Cincinnati team that was disorganized that at the time had just gotten beat by a Pittsburgh team in week one. Yeah, you're, you're 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 not beating that team today. By the way, not not today. You're not, not today. You're not. But I, you know, the games that they were able, you know, and they and they had, you know, hell, they could have gone five for five. They had Philly. There were times with the Philly. So 
my expectations went from I'm excited about the season to oh damn what's about to happen to I can't believe this guy Cooper Rush pulled this off to why is Dak throwing all these interceptions to wow they found a way to win a playoff game on the road for I, last time it was 30 years ago I was there in the stadium the last time they did it so and I was a young man then when that happened so I it was I, my I, I I was I have to say there are things that I learned along the way that that made me encouraged and I think the expectations were and it helped me this defense everybody was telling me Brian there's no way they can create as many turnovers as they did last year there's no way they can do that yeah there's no way they can get as many sacks no way they can get as many uh no way Micah Parsons can do what he did back to back he can't do that wow you know hey this the CD Lamb, they they got rid of Amari Cooper. CD Lamb's not a number one wide receiver, you know. Uh, yeah. Wait, just Tony Pollard, you know they they we've seen him flash, but has he really played? You know, thousand yard back. I you know I I mentioned Tyler Smith. I mentioned I was completely wrong about Terrence Steele. Who knew your running game was going to go to hell once Terrence Steele went out of the game? You know, once he once he got injured. I, I think there were things that I learned along the way that my expectations I, I didn't expect it. I didn't expect yeah. I did not expect any of those things that I just said to happen. And they all happened, you know? So expectations for me are different because I was able to learn from my expectations. I, I didn't let, let's be honest, I didn't my expectations were that. Michael Gallup was going to be okay once he came back. That wasn't the case. That wasn't the case. So of my expectations that I learned, there were some that I had of real expectations that were not, were not true at all. Were were not true. Would in your career was the most surprising season you were a part of. Was it the Oh three season with Dallas? When we went to the playoffs with, yeah, was that was that the most personally surprising team you were a part of? I was a part of my very first team in Green Bay in 92. They had had like 20 years of losing football in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we were we were a victory in Minnesota in in week at that time week uh week 16 to be able to go to the playoffs and be 10 and 6 in our very first year. It was very much what it was very much what the Jacksonville Jaguars did, starting off like three and five and then kind of figuring out, you know, kind of a thing. But it this that season with Parcells, because we were so bad, we were so bad during the you know, 2000, 2001, 2002, we were so bad. And Parcells coming in here and with Quincy Carter, like he brought some players but yeah, expectations like with Parcells, you're like, man, if we could just be competitive, and you end up going to the playoffs, I mean, that's that in itself were that 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 was a that was a that was probably one of the best that was probably one of the best coaching jobs that Bill Parcells had, has ever ever done in his Hall of Fame career. So then, that, then you're it's it's good to ask you this question then because as we're sitting here talking about. You didn't reach a certain bar, but your expectations were exceeded. 
then in that 03 year, is that is that the sense you guys all had in the building? Did you guys all feel like this was a successful year? It does not matter. Oh, yeah, yeah. So so, yeah. so professionally then, you think, like, outside of just immediate, you think that there's definitely people professionally within the Cowboys right now who are probably saying, this was a successful season for us. Forget media narratives or anything else. For us, we considered this season a success, even though we didn't get to where we wanted. Yeah, and I, the ultimate goal is to get to the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl. That's the ultimate goal. But I think that you, as a Cowboy, as a front office member, I, I think I walked you through everything that that I think that they would see as a positive here. You know that that your center got better. You made a trade for uh, you made a trade for a a, a big time uh, a well big body defensive tackle that worked out for you. What were your expectations of Leighton Vanderesh? You know coming in. What hey what were your expectations of uh, of of Clark? I mean you're 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 not thinking about him. You're like oh he's He's going to play. You know, he'll play. I mean, you're like, is he really? He's really going to play? And Jerry Jones, expectations with Tyron Smith when he went down in training camp. Oh, he'll be back for the meat of the schedule. Really? Really? He's going to be back? And he was. Jacksonville game. He was back. You know, and so that's that's how I think, not think. I know from my experience how personnel guys look at the season. What are the things that we got better on or that, that we were – right about and what were the things that we were dead balls wrong about they were dead balls wrong right now about Jalen Tolbert and yeah. and try and trying to force him to play they were wrong about that they had to go out and get they had to go out and get somebody but that's the thing that I really do appreciate about the staff especially the defensive side of the ball they're not afraid to make changes if it's not working we're not we'll change we'll change we'll you know they're not afraid to do that and if you lose Dan Quinn, that's the thing I think you're going to miss the most of of somebody that's saying, "Hey, this isn't this isn't perfect. I thought it was going to be that way, but we need to make a change here." You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast, the Love of the Stars and Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, before we move on to the next topic here, I need to remind you guys about our wonderful partner here at the Love of the Star podcast. It is Boomer Jacks. And I keep telling you guys about Boomer Jacks, specifically what Boomer Jacks has ready for you on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. It's great wing deals. On Tuesdays, it's half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings. But they have great deals for you the rest of the time, too. They got drink specials starting at $3. They have $15 buckets of beer. There are wall-to-wall TVs. Every sporting event you could ever imagine is on the televisions there when you go to Boomer Jacks. They have TVs in the bathroom. There's literally not a time where you will miss a moment of the action. Live music, like I said, wall-to-wall TVs, great drink specials, great food. It's just a fantastic atmosphere for whatever you're looking for, and it's why we're so excited to have them as our partner here at Love the Star. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, it is uh, now time for our Dean Julia Love of the Star mailbag, uh, which we'll be uh, staying with you guys. Season's over, but we'll still be with you guys uh, a couple times a week, so... Uh, fear not. We'll have a lot to talk about. There will be a lot. I, of- hey, I've watched ninety. I've watched ninety guys already, Bobby. I mean, and here we are. I've got, and I, are, I just into uh, January. I mean, I've got. We got February. We got March. We got. I got three more months of looking at players, man. And we got draft and I, and goes, and we got everything going on right now. Like you we and I, do. we need more work. Give us more work is what we want. We we do. And I uh, I dropped. Uh, I, I I dropped sixty seven new games in tonight, Brian, uh, of tape. 
we got, I think, 50 more coming tomorrow, and we should have another like 15 by the end of the week. So we're we're gonna we're gonna expand this database. We're gonna be ready. We're gonna have it all covered. We're gonna watch all these players. Uh, so there's several questions, uh, you know, that we're dealing with tonight. Uh, let's go ahead and we'll do a draft one uh, since we're we're talking about that. This question uh, from Ray on Twitter: uh, What's the number one target for the draft in your mind? Quarterback, cornerback, oh. wide receiver. Defensive tackle, linebacker, running back. I think right now where you're picking, and I got confused because I thought they were picking 27, but then the Dolphins don't have a pick. So you're actually picking 26 is what you're picking. So to me, when you start to look at the positions right around that area, you you know, at, at the names, and one of my trusted, and I think people out there who know me well enough, I, I'm looking at Dane Brugler's top 100 is what I'm looking mm-hmm. at. And that's yep. been kind of my guide to start out initially. And so if you look at where that's at, he's got Cam Smith, the corner from South Carolina there. He's got Jackson Smith and Jigbo, wide receiver at that point. He's got Jalen Hyatt, a wide receiver from Tennessee at that point. You know, he's got – He's got uh, a couple of edge guys there with you talking about Zach Harrison from Ohio State or B.J. Ojolari from uh, LSU, uh, Devon Witherspoon, Clark Phillips uh, from Utah. Uh, you know, so there's there's if you want wide receivers, you want edges, you want corners, uh, you know, that's kind of where you're at. There's you know, there's even some offensive linemen uh, that you can look at defensive tackles that are in that area too. So I kind of feel like though that it's Dallas picking at 26. I feel like they're going to be in pretty good shape. I think they're going to let the board come to them and, and do what they did last year. Uh, you know, when they drafted Tyler Smith, just kind of patiently waited their turn. They got the opportunity. The guy that they, uh, that the guy that they coveted was there and away we go. So, you know, maybe one of those guys that I talk about, that might be in the middle of the board, uh, you know, maybe a guy in the middle of the board, maybe a Broderick Jones uh, from Georgia, offensive tackle. Is that something you're going to think about? Maybe an offensive tackle. Uh, linebacker Trenton Simpson uh, from Clemson is a guy that's kind of a little bit higher up. Jordan Addison, wide receiver USC. Do one of those guys slide down to you there at 26, and it's just too – it's too – it's a C.D. Lamb moment in your under draft board where, hey, we can't pass this guy. We got to go ahead and draft this guy. So, I uh, I, I think it's going to be an interesting draft. I think they're going to be some really good names when it's all said and done. As you get down to that to that level, and I just blind read obviously before you like talk about who all's there and where where position depth is. If you just say to me like, what do they need to improve right now? And so whether that's the draft or free agency, what's the number one thing you'd like to fix right now? Give me a real number two receiver. That's what yeah. I want right now. Give me I, another weapon. Hey, let me ask you this. I mean, I know on our show on the G-Bag Nation on uh, on uh, Tuesday, we talked about um, we talked about you know what's going on in Buffalo with Diggs, you yeah, know, and that whole situation. Do you give up the twenty seventh or excuse me, the twenty sixth, you know, your twenty sixth pick overall for a chance to go get a veteran receiver like that? You know, the Cowboys have proven in the past that they're willing to go and give up a a premium asset to go get a wide receiver. You know, is, is is the Diggs thing so much so where you're like, wow, having CD, 
having digs, you know, is that, does that do anything for you right there? I, I don't know that I want to give up a one for Stefan Diggs. Like, like if I'm going to give up a one, I, I, I want somebody that I want, I want like top five, like, like or, or top five potential. I know Diggs is very, very good and he's way up near the top. It's just, you know, Diggs is obviously starting to get older. Diggs is a guy who uh, has a history. It's not just now, but has a history of at times being a little emotional, being a little, yeah. uh, a bit of a volatile personality. Um, I, I think it'd probably be different here. His brother's obviously here that, you know, be a, a dream scenario, I think, for them to be able to play together, especially after they've both kind of established themselves. So uh, something to think about, but I, I don't know. A one would be, I, I'd give up a two. If you told me right now, I'd give up a second. Well, I would, but. When we get down to this, Bobby, the 26th pick is a second round grade. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, they, 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 you know, they, they tell you last year that, that Tyler, Tyler Smith was what number in the 15, but you know, was in their top 15. But when you're, you're, you know, as we've, as we'll learn on this draft, there might be anywhere between 18 and say 22 names that have first round grades. And then after that, player 23 is the second, player 24 is the second, player 25, the second. So you're basically giving up. It's not like you're giving up a top five pick to go get digs. And I'll challenge you if you want to go draft Hyatt from Tennessee, you know, at 26, that's probably the kind of guy you're looking at right there. Would you rather have digs or would you rather have Hyatt? That's that's what you got to make that determination. Yeah, it's a. I mean, it's a question. I mean, I, I know at this point it's not realistic to think that you know Quentin Johnston is going to be there. Uh, maybe a couple months ago there was conversation about that. After the October that he had, I, I think that changed a lot of people's minds, and they he's, said they a difference. Yeah. He's an alpha. Like you're, you're, you're not going to pass on a guy like that. Uh, Addison, Addison, I don't think it would be the most ridiculous thing in the world if Jordan Addison fell to you. No, I, like, I mean, he's it's likely, but it, there's a shot. Yeah, six foot, one seventy five. He's probably not for everybody. But and he's not. I don't think he's going to test as some freak athlete either. Yeah, that's the thing about it is with Quentin Johnston and Jordan Addison are are those guys that are kind of right there. And then it starts like I say, Jackson Smith and Jigba. You know, so you go basically from say you go from uh, fifteen sixteen to being down to twenty seven. You know, on the on the board. So if one of those guys, I don't think Johnston slides myself. No, he doesn't. But at Addison, you know, in Jigba, uh, and you know, maybe the Tennessee kid that we were talking about, uh, uh, Jalen Hyatt. Depending on how you like him, maybe that's something you want to entertain. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe the LSU kid, uh, Keishon Boutte. You know, maybe that's a guy that you know. I mean, he's had a lot of things go on. These these LSU receivers tend to come into the league and play. And he was yeah. uh, he was a very talented one there in Baton yeah. Rouge. They absolutely yeah. do. Yeah. Uh, next question here from uh, Garrett. He's got pick one and then a group of players and then pick two from a group of players. So I'll hit you with the pick one first. Pick one to bring back, Donovan Wilson, Tony Pollard, Dalton Schultz. Man, I really like Donovan Wilson because I think – I do I, too. I, I just – I, I just think that I think he's so so good. He's so good for your defense. Do you do you like Don? Is this does this answer? I, and I love Pollard. I, I do love. You, Pollard. Do you consider Do you consider Donovan Wilson any less if I tell you these are the players you can pick from and Dan Quinn's not here? 
Does if it, Dan, it, yeah, if Dan Quinn's not here, he's liable. He's liable to take Donovan Wilson with him wherever he goes. I have a feeling Dan Quinn is going to walk in whatever job he gets, and he's going to say, "Hey, what do we have on Donovan Wilson?" And let me tell you why I need Donovan Wilson. You know, yeah. So I, I think if I had to handicap him, God, I love Pollard. I love Pollard, but I love. There's a lot of really good backs in this draft. You know that can that run block catch. And so I think I would go Wilson Pollard Schultz is how I would how I would grade it grade it out. You wanna you you guys want a, a a name already to to watch out for running backs with the Cowboys? Who do you got? Kendra Miller, TCU. Okay. That's a guy yeah. that's a guy that's a guy I think they would they they would have some interest. Obviously not a first round pick, but that's a guy I think they'd have some interest in. Yeah. Maybe third round, something like that. Yeah. Um, and so oh, there's uh, oh, there's some there's some, some good backs. There's some really good yeah. backs in trap. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll and we'll dive into all of that. But uh, that's a name I know people around the Metroplex are gonna be. But I, I would it would be really hard, it would be really hard for me to pass on Pollard, but I'm gonna take Wilson. And then pick two Terrence Steele, Leighton Vanderesh, Jonathan Hankins, Dante Fowler, Anthony Brown. This one's easy for me. First two. Yep. Not even a question. The only one who maybe gets a half second of consideration for me is Hankins, just because yeah. he made a real impact for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Leighton Vander Esch was you, – you saw how different that defense was when he was out of there, and yeah. Terrence Steele has shown yeah. uh, he's a he's a top-tier run-blocking yeah. tackle. And, yeah. and I, given what we've seen, the progression with him – I, I think you have to bank on you're probably going to see even more improvement next year because he's shown every year that's what he does. He yeah. just improves every single year. That does it for us here on the Love of the Star podcast today. We will, like I said, we'll still be with you guys through the offseason. We'll have a ton of uh, draft content. Ryan, you know what we got to do? We got to figure out a way to, to you know, twist the arms of the of the bosses and try and get both of us to Indy here in, a, here in like a month and a half. I, I tell you what, man, what there, there's, there's one city in the world – that I could go to that I've been to so many times in my life. Half my life I've spent in Indianapolis. That's the one city that I, if you drop me in the middle of it, I could tell you where to go eat, where to stay, where to go to get your pharmacy stuff. Where I mean, I I, I know Indianapolis better than any other city in, in the in the United States because I've been there so much. It's a great walking around city. Uh, that the, the this the combine that the I love. The magic of the combine. I really, yeah. really do love the magic of the combine. It, it's the it's, senior bowl. The senior bowl and combine are my two favorite scouting things we ever we've ever done. I, I think I'm gonna. Uh, I, I'll take vacation days to go to Indy. Yeah, but that's, I, I, I'm, I might, I'm I might join you. I might I'm going join to combine, you. David. I might All right, uh, that doesn't for us here on the Love the Star podcast. Until next time, we will talk to you guys later. <laughs>